Welcome to Park Ave Baptist Church Podcast. A weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I'm Himra Chanel, pastor of community engagement and stewardship. And I'm Darcy Jarrett, pastor of worship, advocacy, and arts. Park Ave is a bold, inclusive, and creative community where everyone is welcome. We uplift voices and identities that are marginalized elsewhere. We affirm all ethnicities, racial identities, ages, socioeconomic groups, gender identities, and sexual orientations. Because we hold to a theology that refuses to other anyone. At Park Ave, our leadership model is non-hierarchical. And we practice an open pulpit where you will hear a multiplicity of theologically trained voices from different backgrounds and social locations. We don't just preach and talk about deconstructing systems and structures of power. We We practice practice it. Through this podcast, we hope you will be inspired, encouraged, and challenged. Listen Listen with with us now. Park Avenue Baptist Church, in response to COVID-19, has suspended in-person worship, but that can't stop us. What you'll hear on this podcast is a recording of our online worship, which happens each Sunday at 10 a.m. Join us through our Facebook, at Park Ave Baptist, or our Instagram, at Park Ave Baptist. We hope that you stay safe in these difficult times. Good morning. This morning's uh, scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. It's Mary's song of praise. Mary said, with all my heart, I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God, my Savior. He has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored. Holy is his name. He shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next who honors him as God. He has shown strength. Oops, sorry. That your share stream just kind of got me a little bit. Hold on just a second. All righty. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty handed. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy, just as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, folks. My name is Daniel Bass. I'm one of the deacons and worship leaders here at Park Avenue. It is uh, my distinct privilege and pleasure to be with you this morning, to get to preach to you this morning. Um, I am a little upset with you, Jill, because um, that song, All Who Are Thirsty, that refrain, come Lord Jesus, come. That's one of those songs that just will always bring me to tears. Um, so you attacked me and I will forgive you eventually, but it's going to take a minute. I'm just kidding. I love you. Thank you. That was beautiful. Um, will you all pray with me one more time this morning as we, uh, as we prepare to look at the scripture together? Holy God, who sits with us in despair and lifts us to hope. God who understands the process of what it looks like to live in this brutal and bloody world and to walk the steps, the impossibly long steps from hope to joy, 
God who has made that journey and makes it with us over and over again. We invite you to be present in all of your surprising and beautiful ways that you would call us to our deepest selves as deep cries out to deep. You would call, call us into readiness, into watchfulness, into waiting, into acknowledging the darkness around us and waiting for the light. You, Jesus, who are the light of the world and enter into darkness over and over again to roll it back. We invite you into our hearts, into our lives, into our nation, into our world this morning and ask you to teach us something about what it means to be hopeful as we wait for joy. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let's see if I can set this sucker up so I can see my notes and, and survive. Okay, there we go. All right, friends. So as you probably well know by now, we are in the season of Advent. Um, Advent is the time of the year when church folks place themselves down in the months and the weeks and the days that come before Jesus's birth. Um, even though we already know the end of the story, we set ourselves in the dark and we wait for the light of the world to come. We wait on that impossible miracle where God with us sneaks into this world in the middle of the night in a backwoods place and into the arms of a young dishonored couple. Um, I mean, when you just hear like that beginning, that's the beginning of a marvelous story. And yet we need Advent because we're not always ready for the bright joy of Christmas until we've sat with the dark for a bit. Um, as Jill was singing earlier, O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. And the question I was asking myself that really resonates with this sermon as I've been preparing is, what do you do when it's hard to believe that God with us is in fact coming, is in fact going to show up? So I'm going to be honest with you. When I read the lectionary texts a week ago and I was trying to figure out what I would be preaching on, I read these words of Mary. I read the Magnificat. I read her big, exuberant, excited psalm of praise where she's just thrilled with what's to come and she's praising God. And I got to be honest with you, I didn't feel much at all when I read this passage. Um, if anything, I felt a little irritated. Uh, the words just rang hollow to me. And I thought, you know, this is this beautiful psalm. I should love it. It should be really exciting. Why, why am I not feeling it? I had to get curious and ask myself, why is this not a song? words that I'm in the mood to hear right now. And I realized that sometimes it's really hard to hear a happy song when you are just exhausted. Amen. I mean, 2020 has been exhausting to say the least. We have spent months in this global pandemic. We have watched um, our nation, even the globe, wrestling with the question of racial justice We've seen wildfires, we've had hurricanes. I mean, just blow after blow. 
when life knocks you down over and over again, sometimes you're just not in the mood for a happy song, Mary. We're not ready to hear it. It reminds me of when um, under really heartbreaking circumstances, I uh, left the church that I had grown up in and all of the Christian songs that celebrate God's goodness, when I would hear those songs, it just would make me sick to my stomach. I wasn't in the mood. I wasn't ready to hear those happy songs because I was exhausted and disappointed and at the end of my rope. So when Mary pours out this psalm celebrating God's power, God's mercy, I just look at her and I think, ooh, you are so young. You are young, you are, you know, green and you're so excited and you have your whole life ahead of you all of life's glory and all of those gut punches that will knock you down and sometimes keep you down they're so far ahead of you you just get to be excited i'm not there we may not be there reading this text i just thought to myself many of us aren't ready for mary's song so then i had to ask myself well who is who, who's ready to hear this song right now? Who can hear these words of praise, this song of hope? And I realized um, the answer is Elizabeth, Mary's relative. That's why I'm really grateful that I was taught to read scripture in context. You can't just pick a couple verses and read those and think, you know, got it for Sunday. Um, if I did not read beyond these words of Mary, I wouldn't realize that anybody else was in the story at all. But in fact, her relative Elizabeth is here. Um, and I just, I love Elizabeth, maybe because my mama is named Elizabeth. I'm sure that that helps. Um, but Elizabeth is an older woman in this story. Um, Luke, in the, in the translation that I read a couple of times, calls her advanced in years, which I think is a lovely euphemism. I hope to be advanced in years as I get older. Um, but why I love Elizabeth is she has seen some things. Elizabeth has dealt with life. She has dealt with folks' ugliness. She has carried shame. She knows that emptiness that is carved out by others' whispers. Elizabeth has been young, but now she is old. And part of the shame that she has carried for many years is that she has been unable to bear children. And she has dealt with that disappointment and that pain for a lifetime. Whenever I read the Bible, I look for the hurting ones. I look for the ones in scripture who give me permission to exist, to be. Elizabeth gives us permission to acknowledge our pain, even our hopelessness in the face of life's unrelenting blows. Because we know if you live long enough, life is gonna hit you with some stuff that will tempt you to despair, amen? to stop hoping because it feels foolish to hope. It's too dangerous. You've hoped before and you've gotten the mm, kicked out of you, right? And yet I'm drawn to Elizabeth. I'm fascinated by her because she's not bitter and she's not brittle. She's not hardened. She hasn't walled herself off from joy. And so when I sit with this passage, I say to myself, I've got something to learn from this woman. After a lifetime of private pain, Elizabeth has had her whole world turned upside down in just a moment. An angel has come 
and has said that she's having a baby. After decades of waiting, hope has finally shown up. As I was sitting with the story of Elizabeth and these years and years of waiting that finally kind of just on this tiny hinge of a moment, the story changes. I thought of one of my favorite stories of all time. It's definitely my favorite movie. It might be my favorite book, The Color Purple. Um, many of you may be familiar with the story of The Color Purple. It follows the journey of a woman named Celie. And Celie is a person who has been denied love most of her battered days. I mean, it just seems like every time this woman almost gets a hold of something sweet, it's just taken from her. Her father snatches her infants from her arms when they're born, and she believes that he's killed them. Her abusive husband convinces her that the one person in this world who has loved her unconditionally, her sister Nettie, is dead. Celie has dealt with disappointment after heartache, after abuse, and yet somehow she is not utterly crushed by them. About two thirds of the way through the book, Celie finds out that her sister, whom she has thought dead, is in fact alive. The story changes. In that one tiny moment, hope has entered the story. It makes Celie ready for the song of praise. It makes her open to life in a new way. In the last few pages of The Color Purple, Celie is reunited with the one person who has always loved her, her sister. She gets to meet her two adult children. Her lover, Suge, has come home to her. Suddenly, her life is bursting at the seams with love. Despite all of the soul-shrinking conditions she has faced, Celie has remained open to being surprised. When life brings her sweetness at long last, she is open and ready to receive it. Maybe ears open by hope are the only ones that can hear Mary's song. Maybe that kind of willingness to be surprised that Celie shows can make even creaky knees leap for joy. So here's what struck me as I prepared to preach this sermon. I realized that timing is everything in this story. I mean, great stories really hang on these tiny little moments, right? Because if you read all of Luke 1, we find out that Elizabeth is five months pregnant. She is an older woman who is five months pregnant, and then Mary becomes pregnant with Jesus and goes to visit Elizabeth. And the question I asked myself was, what if Mary had shown up five months earlier? If Mary had shown up before Elizabeth was pregnant, how would Elizabeth have heard Mary's words? How would this song have hit her? Would she have had to paint on a frozen smile and say, oh, I'm so happy for you when privately she died on the inside? We are sometimes laid low in the dust with just a few words, right? The diagnosis doesn't look good. We've decided to go with another candidate. I'm sorry, but I don't love you anymore. Life can splinter and start to fall down around you fast enough to make your head spin. And our ears, our hearts, our very lives might not be ready 
for the song of Mary until we are on the far side of a moment that changes everything. These moments can come fast and tear us down, but the opposite is also true, right? Proverbs 13 and 12 says, hope deferred. So when you wait for a thing for too long, it makes the heart sick. But when the desire is fulfilled, it is a tree of life. I mean, I think that is so beautiful. When Elizabeth found out that new life was growing inside of her, when Celie found out her sister Nettie was in fact in the land of the living, it was like a tree of life springing up out of their despair. These women, Elizabeth, Celie, these women teach us to remain open to hope in the bleakest of conditions. I went through a phase years ago because I became a Christian as a young adult, as an 18 year old, and I would ask all of these friends of mine who I've met who've been Christians from the cradle, and I would say, what, what's the gospel to you? Tell me what you think the gospel is. And somehow this question always made them nervous or perplexed. And these lifelong Christians would be, you know, like awkward and uncomfortable and kind of mumble, eh, you believe in Jesus, you go to heaven when you die. Like, or something, you know, something like a formula that they'd been given, but they didn't sound excited about it. It didn't actually sound like any kind of good news. It just sounded like, here's the right answer. Um, and I'm realizing as I sit with this story, as I sit with the life of Elizabeth, as I keep company with Celie, the gospel to me is this good news that hope better than you could have imagined, something brighter, more lovely, more surprising than you can even think up might be waiting for you on the other side of a moment. Against all odds, hope slips in and sits down right beside you. And like God Almighty sneaking into a manger in the middle of the night, suddenly the whole story is different. Hope shivers its way into the manger and pushes back a swallowing dark that has lasted for too many nights. Hope sneaks in and makes room for joy. And when God does that, when God turns everything upside down, like Mary says in her song, it might feel like being young again. Elizabeth, advanced in years, is pregnant, just like her young relative, Mary. All of the joy of being young, yet with all of the wisdom of age to remind you just how much it cost. I think if we can get to that place, we will have known some good news. We will have hoped and we will have gotten ready for joy. At the end of The Color Purple, Celie writes, Dear God, dear stars, dear trees, dear sky, dear peoples, dear everything, dear God. She says, I don't think we actually feel old at all. We are so happy. Matter of fact, I think this is the youngest we have ever felt. Amen. And so that, when I sit with that, when I keep company with those words, that's what I'm waiting on this Advent. And while I'm waiting, I am keeping company with these hopeful women, these women who maintain a willingness to be surprised even when battered, even when knocked down. 
I'm staying with them in hopes that they'll help me stay open in the same way. In spite of what we look around and see in the world around us, can we stay open? Can we stay willing to be surprised? That's, that's kind of how I define hope these days. Are you willing to let God surprise you with a moment that changes everything for the better? We know that a mere moment can change everything for the worse. Are we willing to believe that God could change everything for the better with a mere moment? Just before these verses of Mary's song, Elizabeth makes this proclamation that um, I've been trying to sit with and I've been trying to see, see where I find myself in these words. She said, blessed is she who believes that God will fulfill the thing that God has said. There is a blessing in believing that God will do what God said. And so I'm asking God to help me. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to make me open to believe that God could come in a moment and shift our world, our relationships, our country, my heart, that that is in fact the God who we find in the manger. So I'm waiting for all of us till God shows up and interrupts my life, our life with bigger life bursting forth with that tree of life that comes when the hoped for thing finally arrives. So until the heaviness and the sorrow and the unbearable exhaustion of these present days takes a turn like Celie's, like Elizabeth's, we will be waiting. But in that waiting, perhaps, if we can stay open to being surprised by God in a mere moment, then we'll be ready for Mary's song. Then we'll be ready for Mary's baby. Holy Spirit, make us ready. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m.-ish. We are at 486 Park Ave in Southeast Atlanta, across the street from Grant Park, at the corner of Park Ave and Sydney Street. To find out more about us or get in touch, visit our website at parkavebaptist.com. Now go into a world that is too often unjust. Knowing that the God that created you loves you. And empowers you to love boldly, live inclusively. And serve creatively. Creatively.